Welcome to this first pilot episode of Wayfinders. I'm Ian Harrison. In these podcasts, we're going to be thinking about the journeys people take as individuals and as businesses, and trying to understand how they get from where they are to where they want to be. Planning a journey is something we all have to do, although in some ways COVID-19 has made us all into explorers. We're moving into a different world that will be the same in many ways, but also different in many ways. Maybe it's just debunked the myth that we understood the future. Nevertheless, looking forward and planning is as important now as it ever was, and understanding how people have navigated their journeys in the past hopefully will add value to you and help you as you plan your future journey. My guest today is Andrew Kerwin, CEO of XL Vets UK Limited. He qualified as a veterinary surgeon from Bristol Vet School back in 1990, and after three years in mixed practice, moved on to become a veterinary advisor at Grampian Pharmaceuticals. In 2000, he then moved on again to Bayer Animal Health, where he was marketing manager for the UK and Ireland. And then in 2006, he joined Excel Vets, where he leads a team that supports the Excel Vets community to first define and then deliver excellence in practice. He's a keen cyclist, mountain walker, and he's even learning to turn wood. Andrew, it's a pleasure to have you with us today, and thank you for being our guinea pig in this pilot episode of Wayfinders. Let's start with a question about you. When did you know that you wanted to be involved in the veterinary sector? Ian, it's a pleasure to be with you today, and, and I rather like being a guinea pig. Um, I'll try and come back to them later. They're, they're an animal that I became very fond of, actually, over, over time, um, but it took me time to appreciate them. So, yeah, how, how long have I known that I wanted to be involved in the veterinary sector? Well, I guess you could answer that question by saying really since childhood. From a young age, I knew that I would like to be a vet. But I also wonder, actually, really, how long I've known where I want to be, where I am now, possibly since breakfast time. There's a degree of something very emergent in in the world, isn't there? I could never have predicted where I am now as little as a few years ago, let alone since thinking I wanted to be a vet. Interesting in that there's a sense of, generally knowing where you wanted to be but in the particulars it's very unpredictable absolutely and i think following your interest and just seeing where that leads uh it has been quite an interesting experience actually yeah I, I mentioned in the introduction something about XL Vets, but for those who may not know tell us a little bit about XL Vets. so XL Vets exists in several levels i mean it is a, a community of independent veterinary practices. It's a community of uh, independent veterinary practices across the United Kingdom, but we also have communities in Ireland and New Zealand and Canada as well. Excelvet UK Limited is a business that sits at the heart of that community to serve and support that community. And that's the business that I work for. So I work at the heart of a community of collaborating independent veterinary practices. Those practices have worked out that the problems and challenges that they face are shared and therefore the solutions that they may need to think about are also shared. So we sit within a community prepared to collaborate. And and I'm guessing that's been really important. In the relatively short time I've worked with independent veterinary practices, I've seen significant change in the sector. Uh, in the 30 years since you graduated, you must have seen a lot of changes. 
how would you summarise the journey the sector has been on? Yeah, I mean, there's been an awful lot of change, hasn't there? And why do I say awful? Because change is inevitable, but somehow we don't like change. That's interesting. I think maybe the veterinary profession is maybe not unlike many other professions, maybe not unlike other many other humans. We're quite good at reacting at what's in front of us. We, we, uh, we're problem solvers. Give us a problem and we like to solve the problem. And we're very good at reacting to that. As a profession, we're not always the best at maybe stepping back and thinking about what else we could be doing or how we could be adapting to change. Uh, and, and so some of the changes that have occurred in the last 30 years are, are pretty seismic, really. The whole digitalization, the whole move towards a consumer, a customer expecting a sort of 24-7 service the whole uh, introduction of information on the on the internet and specifically within veterinary uh, a process of corporatization where we've moved in a relatively short period of time in the united kingdom from a situation where every veterinary practice was owned by vets who were working within that practice to a situation now where about 70% of practices in the united kingdom are owned by five or six uh, large multinational organizations obviously it's been a a a journey with lots of twists and turns as we in growhouse talk about people's journeys and the way they find their way through those journeys we tend to look for those key moments those landmarks if you like on the journey what do you think the key points in the journey you've just described were yes it's interesting isn't it because those those key turning points are much more visible when you look back at them maybe than maybe in the moment and things that you can look back on and say that was a pivotal moment of change at the time maybe it didn't feel like it perhaps vice versa you might look back and you might think of a time when it really felt like a pivotal moment of change but actually it didn't lead to anything so i think it's quite interesting about that perception about where you're standing from and observing. There is no doubt that, for example, the foot and mouth outbreak of 2001 was, was had a profound effect on many rural veterinary practices. That felt like a moment of change, and it, and it certainly led to a, a considerable amount of change. There was a significant change around the turn of the millennium when it became possible for non-veterinary surgeons to own veterinary practices. And at the time, that maybe didn't feel like a big change to many, uh, but it has led to to very significant change. Subtler things like the increase in pet insurance or uh, changing demographics, and I'm thinking here about sort of diet and things like that, all those sorts of things are subtler changes that lead to an evolutionary process, an, an, an inevitable process, really. They've all, they've all made a difference. One of the things that I, I love is a quote, I think, came from the King's Fund, uh, which is that the future is already here at any one point in time. It's just not evenly distributed. So I've been around long enough to remember standing in a group of, uh, in a room with a group of about 100 veterinary surgeons and asking them who's got a device in their pocket that um, connects to email. And we had about three hands go up. 
uh, that wasn't many years ago. <laughs> um, to, to, to younger listeners, they might think I'm some sort of dinosaur. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe I am some sort of dinosaur. But I mean, if we were to ask that question now, um, then every, every hand in the room would go up. And, and there's an example where the future was already there. It just wasn't evenly distributed. So plenty of turning points. Some of them, some of them may be more evident than otherwise, maybe. It's an interesting observation. In, in the introduction, we said that ExcelVet serves and supports the ExcelVet's community to first define and then deliver excellence in practice. How has ExcelVet's gone about pursuing that purpose? Well, I think by working hard and by, by keeping going, every day is a, a new day. Every day is an opportunity to learn, learn something different. But I think it's been around keeping a focus on, on our purpose. I think it's about recognising that Excelvet UK Limited exists to serve its members. That's its purpose. There's a lovely expression I heard some years ago from an American chap called Rory Vaden. And his quote was something along the lines of that if service is beneath you, leadership is probably beyond you. And, and I rather like that one because we think often about sort of demonstrating leadership as being some sort of hero, you know, making big, bold decisions out the front. I don't think that really is what leadership is about at all, actually. So I, I hope that what the Excel that community has, has benefited from is a process of service to it. And, and that's what we've been trying to do. We've tried to be adventurous, we've tried to be experimental and do new things, being prepared to fail, but keep learning. And I think the other thing probably is work hard to work to our values, know exactly what our values are and, and, and have them at the front of our mind in everything that we've done. As that journey has unfolded, how would you say XLVETS has changed? It's an interesting thought, that Ian, because... The manifestation of what we do has definitely changed. But in this time of the coronavirus pandemic, it feels as though a bright light of almost truth has been shone on the world. I notice, for example, that we've managed to redefine key workers in a way where those aren't the people that society has historically paid the highest salaries to. We've seen, I think, a degree of... A degree of uh, of truth exposed by by the pandemic and I would say that that has also helped us in terms of clarifying that that what our purpose is you know why why we're doing things the community was set up to find solutions that could be shared for shared problems well at at a challenging time of a pandemic there are lots of shared problems and we can find and have found shared solutions so what we've actually done has changed but i don't think our purpose has changed at all so that purpose has almost formed a continuous narrative around which everything else has unfolded for you i think that would describe it very well and maybe the specific things that we've done on a yearly basis a monthly basis or even a daily basis have changed in accordance with the situation I mean, at a very simple level, you know, one of the things that we would would normally do is we would normally organise face-to-face gatherings to facilitate the sharing of of skills and knowledge. We just adapt 
And so now what we're doing is using Zoom and other similar technologies, but the purpose of why we're doing it hasn't hasn't changed. As you sort of pursued that purpose then, what would you say the key decisions have been that have kept you on track? So I think probably an absolute focus on what it is the customer is looking for and values and understanding who the customer is as well in this. What's helped keep us on track, I think, has been a preparedness to invest in new skills, to keep learning, to experiment. I I noticed that it's been really helpful to say yes to things, maybe sometimes things that might have looked a bit scary or overly challenging. I think probably it's it would have been helpful to have said no to a few more things, actually. Um, so so knowing what you say yes to, um, being prepared to be bold, um, but also being prepared to say no, I think, as well. Has, I think probably, actually, as I sit here now, I think it would have been more helpful to have been kept on track by being able to say no to a bit more. Yeah, I'm sure there's some interesting thoughts we can all have on that thought of saying yes to some things but also perhaps saying no to more things it's an interesting insight looking forward from today where do you think the veterinary sector is going next oh good question um i think we can be fairly certain of of some key issues here can't we which is that there is a role for the veterinary profession to be providing service to Um, people who keep animals, be those um, for purposes of food production, be that for the purposes of um, sport and recreation or companionship. But what the veterinary profession will do will change and will will change radically. I'm quite certain of that. Specifically, the multinational corporate veterinary practices will be here to stay. I'm quite certain of that. But I'm also incredibly certain about the opportunity and the place for vibrant, independent practices that are firmly connected and rooted within their local communities as well to be providing an outstanding service that you know adapts to the and the rapidly adapting needs of of, of their clients. So I'm very hopeful for the future, very, very positive about the future, and minded that it will be. Uh, professionals who are able to be adaptable and flexible to to the ongoing change that we see and who don't lose track of their core purpose that that will be uh, that will be part of a healthy future definitely i think that's an interesting thought about practices being rooted in their local communities because that very much seems to have been a theme that's come through the pandemic about almost relocalizing businesses reconnecting with their community so in the future you see independent practices as businesses rooted in the community and agile enough to adapt rapidly to the changing needs of their clients what would it be like when practices have made that adaption if you like what would it be like to reach that place as a destination i'm not sure that there is an end i'm not i'm not sure that there is actually a conclusion to this. I think it's an ongoing process. My observation is that I have stopped thinking about an end, actually, and I'm focused much more on the ongoing journey. I find myself noticing that if you were to want to know what will it really look like, 
at some point in the future, then you might do well to come and talk to my successor. In, in other words, I see my role as creating a solid foundation upon which the next generation can stand. So when, when will it end? I'm not sure that I think like that. I think more about an ongoing process. What you've stimulated in my mind, Marian, actually, is something I heard recently about um, a piece of cultural thought that came from North America, the indigenous population who were there many hundreds of years ago. Their belief that they were in the middle of seven generations that they had three generations that had gone before them that they were respectful to, and that they were serving the three generations that were coming after them. So in terms of human lifetime, it would be quite possible to know each of those generations and therefore be connected to them. I knew a great-grandmother. I knew my grandparents. I knew my parents. I know my generation. I could know my children's generation, my grandchildren's generation, and my great-grandchildren's generation. And knowing that sense of interconnectedness feels to me to be very valuable in helping to set what your purpose is. So in terms of adapting, what will it look like at the end? Come back and ask the great-grandchildren of my generation and, um, and see how they're finding out how things are going, I think interesting thought uh, thank you so much andrew for sharing your story with us but before we finish i've got two last questions for you first of all looking back over your 30-year journey in the veterinary sector what is the one thing that stands out most to you so that's a good question ian i think wisdom coming from unexpected places is what stands out there's no doubt at all that it's because it was unexpected that it stands out And I also find that sitting here, if I were younger, what I'm about to say, my younger self would have said, well, that just feels like motherhood and apple pie, or possibly even trite nonsense. But with the benefit of reflection, I I feel able to say that what really has stood out is that knowing what you really believe in and being true to that is is incredibly powerful and that stands out good thank you i'm sure that's something that resonates with a lot of people who will be listening one last question what one thing do you think will keep independent practices going as they move forward from today one thing about the power of one yes um i think the power of one is purpose isn't it i think that it's that sense of purpose and knowing clearly what it is they 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 serve and do i wonder if that could be expanded though because if you want to stand on a solid platform having three three good legs so I, I wonder if I could cheat and answer your question maybe with a couple of other things so awareness of purpose definitely you know knowing knowing that you're there to connect with the next generations and to um, perhaps serve and support them to develop their skills I think for independent practice rejoicing in their autonomy and knowing that they are choosing the path that they follow, but recognising that collaboration together is is so important in order for them to be able to do that. We are all connected. And an ongoing curiosity, uh, an ongoing mastery of new skills, 
recognizing that nothing stands still, it can always be done better. And so taking time to learn and, and focus on you know new skills and, and new ways of doing things. I think those three things together seem to me to be pretty powerful. That's great. Andrew, I'm sure all the listeners would want to join me in thanking you for your time and wishing you a successful journey forward. If you've enjoyed listening to this pilot episode of Wayfinders, do let us know. Keep an eye open for more episodes coming soon. If you would like to know more about Wayfinders and how we work with people all over the UK, then all the information you need is at www.growhouse-gb.com. Get in touch. We'd love to hear about your plans to get from where you are to where you want to be. Until then, I'm Ian Harrison. You've been listening to Wayfinders. Happy exploring.